0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of Wisco Fanatics. Sorry about that. I was just checking some stuff. Uh Tyler's going to be joining us later. Um today, uh we are going to be covering the Wisconsin Badgers episode or game versus Michigan State. Um tough loss, but I thought I think they looked a little better. Uh the offense was a little stagnant, but the energy level was exceptional in my opinion. Um then we will be looking forward to the game against Purdue. And we have Bucks Primer. Uh, Bucks basketball is back. So that's exciting, um, especially after a tough weekend in sports for us Wisconsin fans. Uh, a couple losses uh, on the baseball end of things. We're watching the two teams we could have made it over battle for a spot in the World Series. And our former closer is looking phenomenal right now. So let's get started with uh, Wisconsin Badgers versus Michigan State. Uh, Badgers lost this 128 to 34. So, on the offensive end of things, offense versus Michigan State defense um, 283 total yards for the Badgers, 131 pass, 152 rush yards. Time of possession, we actually won that. Uh, pretty surprising 32 uh, 43. And the thing that I talked about last week, which I think we needed to clean up, and is not my what to improve this week, but something that still needs to improve is the penalties. Uh, we had eight penalties for 72 yards. Yes, Michigan State had a lot of penalties as well. They had nine penalties for 103 yards. So all in total, 17 penalties for 175 yards in this one game. That is a lot of penalties and a lot of yards. Um, They were 4-12 on third down. That's not going to cut it. You're not going to win a lot of games, not being efficient on third down. Um, I say that, and then I watched the Packers play the next day, and the Jets were not good on third down at all the entire game, and they ended up coming out with a win. Um, We will cover that on Friday. Uh, I have some thoughts about that and why that happened. Um, So 4-12 on third down, they were 2-2 on fourth down. So they were phenomenal on fourth down. A couple really, really good plays on fourth down. One of them was in the first overtime. Mertz made an absolute perfect throw, perfect route, and DK took it all the way. Um, Let's go through the the box score here on offense. So Graham Mertz, 14 to 24, 131 yards. He had the two touchdowns, uh, like I said, the one in the overtime and an interception. Um, He had a couple passes that were, that were near interceptions, uh, including one in that first overtime that I keep alluding to, um, that should have been intercepted. Um, he didn't play his best game, but by no means did he play bad. That's because the Packers offense is sneaky poo, and the special teams gave up a block punt TD. Man, I had flashbacks, Matt. Um, wow. I think I set my own personal record for the amount of times I said the F word on Sunday. I cannot remember. Oh, uh, I lied. I can. I remember when we had former Badger great Scott Tolzien at quarterback, and uh, our offense was pretty bad back then too. But I, I've never seen it look this bad with Aaron Rodgers as quarterback. So that's why I think everybody thinks the uh, the world is falling and everything's wrong with the Packers. And you know, a couple little cleanups here and there, and I think they're gonna be fine. I honestly do. Uh, first, first thing to do is to reshuffle the offensive line because this this lineup that they have now it ain't it it's not working it's not the right ingredients so to get things started they have to put Elton Jenkins back at left guard that's my personal opinion kind of just beaten into submission at this point um yeah it's uh it's been tough it's been a tough couple of weeks man you no know, I said this I had a buddy over uh my sister My girlfriend's sister's boyfriend, if you could follow along with that. Um, He's a big Badger fan. Uh, He's an alumni. Uh, He was in the military, so he's a good guy. Uh, He actually brought me to the Illinois game. I got free tickets to go to the Illinois game. Tough game to watch, (laughs) especially live. But, you know, I told him after the game, uh, because he came over for the Packers game as well, I was like, if you would have told me that the Badgers and Packers have the same exact record, I would have believed you if you would have told me they have the same record at three and three, I would have laughed in your face. There would have been no way I thought that because there, there's no way I thought the Packers were going to be three and three. I think they're going to be six and oh. No, absolutely not. Um, I thought they would lose one or two of them just, just purely off of the offense struggling. Uh, I think all of us um, can agree. All four of us that are on on Friday nights, myself, Uh, Tyler, Bryant, and Simon, I don't usually speak for anybody else, but I will in this case. I think that we all agreed that the offense was going to struggle the first half of the season. Now, we have seen good things out of it, but to be honest with you, I didn't think we'd have growing pains like this. So let's go back to the Badgers real quick. Matt's getting me off topic here, but it's okay, Matt. I appreciate the comments, giving me some extra stuff to talk about. Um, You look at Braylon Allen. He had a pretty good game. Yes, I understand he had the fumble at the end of the game. That was just an exceptional play by Michigan State, in my opinion. Got to give credit where it's due. Um, he did have a good game, though. And I thought he was about to carry us to the win, man. He was barking a little bit. Yeah, man, I thought it would be 4-2 and two as well at worst. Um, so Braylon Allen, 29 carries, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he looked like a man amongst boys. Um, three catches, 33 yards. He was playing tough. I will. Uh, sorry. Packers have just been on my mind a lot. Hey, I get it. They're on my mind all day, man. Um, We shared a, a meme on the page. If you haven't seen, this was a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, but it was your, your, your sports pie and what percentage they take up of a hundred percent. And for me, Packers are easily 50% of that. You know, They're at least half of that. And then the bucks are a big chunk. Um, Brewers are probably the smallest chunk. Uh, I put the smallest amount of love I have for sports. There's still love there, but the smallest amount of love I have is to the brewers. And then the badgers and brewers are probably the same bucks are a pretty big part of that. Uh, so needless to say, I'm pretty excited for tomorrow night. Uh, excited to watch Giannis honest and, and the crew. I'm going to be without Middleton for a little bit, be without Pat content for a little bit. We'll get more into that later, but, um, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, I don't know if you watched those games last night, but they were pretty good. Ah, Warriors are probably going to walk to the finals again. But, well, again, we'll talk about that later. The Badgers. So receiving was not nearly as pretty in this game. Um, I will say the touchdown that uh, Mertz threw to Lewis was an absolute dime. And that was a great play call to tie the game late in the game. Um, That was a great play call. Having a guy come underneath, make that corner, make a decision, because that's an easy easy touchdown right there if he doesn't come down on that drag route. And that's a great throw, great catch by Lewis as well. Um, let's switch to defense here. Michigan State was actually pretty consistent this entire game. Um, Patrick's defense definitely taking a step back this year. Front seven just doesn't get pressure like we're used to. So with that being said, you have a cornerback like Hallman who's left out to dry, it seems like, every other week. He's looking like a, the guy that is targeted every week, you know, and he absolutely got abused on that last drive. He had the penalty, then he gave it the touchdown. It's like, you know, you want him to hold his head up because uh, he's got the talent. He's clearly – he's a starter on D1 team. So he's got the talent. So he's just got to gotta put it together. And his teammates have to do a good job of holding him up. In my opinion, I would always have safety help over the top of him. That's just my opinion. Um, So Michigan State offense, they had 389 yards total, 290 passing, 99 rushing, uh, 26-43 time of possession. And they were 7 of 15 on third downs. That is, you can't go 4 for 12 on your own side of the ball. And then allow seven fifteen. The fact that they brought this game to double overtime is astounding to me. <laughs> Honestly, when I when, if you if you're just a stats guy, and you're looking at stats, you're looking at third downs, you're looking at yards per play, you're looking at total yards, um, you know, rush yards. I mean, the Badgers' time of possession was really because they rushed the ball for sixty more yards. That's really what that is. Um, so the Badgers' defense. We got to find a way to get pressure. Uh, somebody up front's got to win. Other than Herbig, it's easy when you only have one guy. There's going to double him, right? It's it's that's a piece of cake. Um, so three stars. My first star, I have uh Latu. The ba- the badass club he played with on Saturday. He looked, he looked legit. Um, he had 13 tackles, seven solo, and a tackle for loss. Um, a week after he had. Uh, one Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week uh, in Northwestern. So back-to-back good games for him. Uh, Braylon Allen, again, I said he was a man amongst boys. Uh, 29 carries, 123 yards, uh, two touchdowns. Again, three catches for 33 yards. He would have had more yards. Mertz threw a bad pass. Um, I would have loved to see Braylon Allen catch the ball with room to run um, in the open field one-on-one with one of those safeties. Um, one of the safeties came down and made a really big tackle on Braylon Allen uh, before the touchdown pass, and he was talking a little bit. I would have loved to see them just full speed run into each other because I don't know if that guy would have won a situation like that. Uh, you give Braylon Allen eyes to see you, like know you coming, it's going to be a different story. I promise you that. And then Mema and Jigma, he was – let me watch my words here. He was not great in the Ohio State game. I don't think either were. I don't think Jordan Turner was either. They didn't get uh, deep enough in their pass coverage. He's been phenomenal ever since that game. Um, he did. He had a couple really, really, really stone-cold tackles. Um, he had one where he just filled the gap perfectly. He looked like an NFL linebacker on this one. Um, and he just he dumped the running back, and it was just a great play. That's that's a linebacker right there. That's what a linebacker looks like. I mean, we should know. We produce enough of them in the NFL. But he had 11 total tackles, four solo, and a pass defense. So that's the key right there. A pass defense. That's where I was referring to him not getting deep enough in his drops. Um, but he's getting better at it. He's improving, and that's what you want to see. Um, this loss. Drop the Packer, or Packers. No, I'm talking about the Packers, Matt. Um, this loss dropped the Badgers a 3-4. and four. So I'm going to go over their schedule. And I'm going to go over best case scenario for them. Because this is something that I wanted to do for a couple weeks. I wanted to do it last week. But I was like, I'm going to wait to see if they win. If they win, then I'll hold off. But since they lost, I'm going to go over their schedule and say best case scenario, right? So next, they play Purdue. Right. Okay, that's a that's that's a winnable game for the Wisconsin Badgers football team. What are chances we make a bowl game? Well, I will I'll talk about that. So we're three and four. You have to get to six wins to make a bowl, right? That's like the bare minimum. So Purdue, that's a winnable game. They're at home. And if they look as bad as they did the last time they're at home because they just had back to back road games, we're really in trouble, buddy. Um, but I think they're going to get the win this week. I really do. Um, it's not just my fandom that that is standing in the way that's from my head. I really, I truly believe, um, the effort that they're, they've given since Paul Chris has been fired and no, it's not Paul Chris, pro- uh, fault or problem that they weren't playing with effort. That's on them. you got to hold yourself accountable. Right. And that's why I think they were, some of the players were so heartbroken that he got fired because. They felt it was some of their responsibility that that happened. And that's true. Um, They didn't play with any fight. I saw that Illinois game in my own eyes. I was right there. And they just looked dead man walking. And you can say the same thing about the Packers right now no energy. Absolutely no energy. Um, They bring the energy for a drive or two. After that, they're like, oh, okay, we can coast. You know, this is not a 60 minute game or anything like that. Like, that's not other professionals on the other side of the field or anything like that. Whatever, Like I said, <laughs> I told Tyler I didn't want to talk about offense uh, on Friday. I was like, do not give me any offense to talk about because I might cuss. And I'm trying to get better at doing not doing that. Um, so, back Badgers say they beat Purdue, right? We're 4-4 four four now. Then they have another home game. They play Maryland. Maryland is not a pushover this year but they're by no means a juggernaut as well. Uh, what's Maryland's record right now? Let's see. Maryland, they 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, 3-1, 4-1, 4-2, 5-2. Wow, okay. So Maryland's pretty decent, actually. Um, thing about Maryland, they're coming to Wisconsin. So I think that will matter. I think the Badgers will win that game as well. I think we could beat a Maryland football team. I watched uh, the second half of their game. Who the heck were they playing? Might have been Nebraska. I don't know. It might have been Nebraska, but they have Tua's brother at quarterback. Yeah. Um, Jeff, I don't know if you're referring to the Badgers or the Packers, but that statement literally applies to both of them. Um, Jeff's comment was our O line needs to be better, too much leakage. Yeah. But it, it applies for both. And that's that's where I talked about at the beginning of the season that everything starts up front, right? On offense and defense. Maryland, I believe, gave Ohio State or Michigan a tough time. 34-27. Yeah, they they played tough. Let me let me double check. I will double check on Maryland. Um, I don't want to do, be throwing out randoms. So let me check. Oh, it was, it was Michigan on September 24th, 34-27. You got the score exactly correct. Maryland's tough this year. They're better. Uh, they have, Like I said, they have Tua's brother at quarterback, and he looks pretty legit, man. He's slinging that thing. Um, that is a tough game. Um, I'm going to mark it down as a win right now. But going to Iowa, that's tough. The Packers and Badgers online both look lost. They do. Um Purdue is 5-2 as well. That game scares me because they've looked all right. Yeah, yeah. Purdue is Purdue's not a pushover either. Um, And that's the thing. So, Tyler and I have talked about Ben Bruss, right? And I don't know if you guys are familiar, but Ben Bruss is on a podcast now. And he talked uh, after we lost to Illinois. And he talked about us facing Northwestern the next week and, you know, the spread. And he's like, we used to be 34. 30- 30-point favorites versus Northwestern. And it's like, did you really think that none of these teams were going to improve? You think they were just going to stay 30-point dogs? That's not that, that's not a way to run a program. You bring in head coaches to try to bring winning mentalities. You bring in players that fit that scheme and that or that mentality. It's like you're not just going to stay bad. It just makes no sense. And Purdue gets – they get NFL talent over there in Purdue, man. It's kind of surprising, but they do. Um, That Purdue game is going to be tough. I won't lie. Uh, This this Saturday, Badgers are going to have to bring it. Uh, But I'm going to say they're going to win that one. I'm going to say they're going to win the game against Maryland. And then we're in Iowa, right? And Iowa is a tough place to play. Um, That start time is to be determined. Uh, So if that's a night game – that is gonna be that's that's a tough place to play. Um, Iowa defense is for real. They are for real. Their offense, not so much. Um, so I don't know how I feel about that game. Both both teams play each other tough in their home stadium. So that one I could mark down as an L. So puts that four and four, five and four, five and five, right? Now we're going into Nebraska at five and five not the situation i wanted to be in but here we are right um i think we're going to go in there we're going to smack the hell out of them i do not respect nebraska football team at all um scott frost was held on far too long i mean good for us i guess but they're going to they're going to fork out the money and they're going to go get somebody i think i think nebraska football within the next couple of years is going to really really turn it around um Matt, as a Badgers fan and an IU alum employee, I really dislike Purdue. <laughs> I don't really like Purdue either, man. Um, every couple of years, I mean, they're pretty consistent, but they get a couple players in basketball, and it's just like, whoa. I mean, we saw it last year. Um, they had uh, Ivy, obviously, fifth overall pick in the NBA draft. That guy was just faster than fast. Um, super athletic and score wherever he wanted to. And then they have the – uh Edie, i think his name is the big like seven four guy i mean well what, how the heck are we supposed to stop that I, well what do you do with that you just you stand there and you get dunked on like Stephen crawl did a couple times he put up a fight he tried uh speaking of that we're gonna have to do a badgers basketball primer pretty soon uh so watch for that uh we're still playing the episode we're gonna bring mikey on our badger expert for that one um so we're five and five after beating Nebraska, right? We got a battle for the Axe. And I don't know if you guys watched Minnesota this last weekend, but they are starting to follow the Wisconsin blueprint. Purdue gave Penn State and Maryland great efforts. I believe they held on to beat Maryland. Purdue's offense is still tough. I hope our defense doesn't do what we did against Sparty. Yeah, man. Um, I'll tell you right now. My, my what to improve for the Badgers this coming week is the deep pass coverage. And I'm going to say deep pass coverage, and I'm not going to go after one player. But it does seem to be on one player a lot. Um, obviously, you saw it in the Sparty game. But teams are just circling that guy over there on the right side, just like throw it deep. Um, he doesn't have the greatest technique. Um, he doesn't play the ball in the air very well. So if I was them, I'd go after him too. Just saying. Uh, that's why I said I would always roll a safety over the top of him. Um, you can allow more passes to the left. Uh, just keep them short. And that is that is how I would defend with this team. Obviously, Jimmy has a lot more on his table these days because uh, he's taken over as the interim head coach. Um, so that'll be, be interesting how they choose to attack Purdue. They like to sling it, man. Um what did I see? Yeah, I'll just go over to this Purdue page real quick since we're talking about it. Uh Purdue averages 250 passing yards per game. So that's that is not too shabby at all. Um 100 rush yards. And I mean they're they're a t- Oh no, they average 215. I'm looking at their defense. Their defense gives up 250. Merch better have a big day, huh? But they averaged 215 pass yards and 114 rush yards, so 330 yards total. That's not great, but as you've seen from the Badgers this year, their defense is just not what we're used to. And on defense, when you're not able to control the line of scrimmage and you're not able to get pressure on the quarterback to make them throw the ball quicker, makes it tough for the corners and the DBs, you know. I am super shocked with our lack of pressure that we were able to get – Uh, as many turnovers as we have i mean that's that is shocking to me so let's just start with uh this wisconsin purdue game since we already got it rolling here jeff is talking about it so badgers on offense 391 total yards 220 pass yards 170 rush yards so when i talked about the 220 pass yards that could be a little bit higher um I think sometimes the miscommunication between the receivers and Mertz, um, maybe Mertz not knowing where the receiver is supposed to be, uh, either or that's what I think happened on that near game-ending interception that Mertz almost had when he threw it into double coverage. I'm just sitting there like, who the hell is supposed to be over there? You know, I'm not putting the blame all on Mertz, not putting it on the receivers, but it's like, what's going on here? You know, Uh, Bobby Ingram's got to get those guys on the same page. Uh, we average 31.3 points per game. Purdue on defense gives up 24 points per game, 350 total yards. So it's a, it's a good chunk. Um, 248 pass, 100 rush. So the way to attack this defense, just from looking at the stats, this is just me looking at the stats right now, um, the way to attack them is through the air, right? Um, and I think Mertz has been pretty good at that this season given the criticism that he receives, right? Um, then you go you go down the line of the receivers. I don't know if you guys heard the news, but Marcus Allen has decided to enter the transfer portal. And that's a big hit for me because he was my favorite receiver coming into the season. I really liked his uh, his big body, his jumping ability.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: right. Um, needs to realize there's other receivers besides DK. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, he does a pretty good job finding Cantes um, Lewis from time to time. I'll be honest with you. But yeah, DK is definitely his tunnel vision. Um, it hurts when we lose all these tight ends. And now we're on like our what, our, our third or fourth t- tight end at this point. So that does hurt. Um, also, the offensive line just not being consistent. Uh, they played so good against Northwestern. And then, you know, and I understand that it's a jump in talent and and jumping, you know, atmosphere and all that stuff. But uh the offensive line, I don't think, was great on Saturday. Uh Matt commented, Merch is probably looking for Danny Davis, like Rodgers is looking for Devontae and throwing it to Ghost. Yeah. Packers offense is something else right now, man. Um uh true on the tight ends, yeah. Um I, I do agree with you, though. He doesn't to look for other receivers, but the tight ends thing is definitely hurting him. Uh, I would like to see us, and I know uh, Ches Malusi's hurt now, and he was kind of that guy that was like the 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 dual threat guy in our offense, I'll say. But I would like to see us use uh, Isaac Arendo on some screens. Um, I think that could be something that could work well. He already had him on kick return, so you know he's got the speed. Um, just get him a little bit open field uh you know if the pass rush is killing our offensive line call a screen every once in a while i think that's something that could really really be useful uh go to tyler's guy isaac Garrendo, let him get some open field and and go crazy man um how you doing buddy super
1: super yeah i'm here um <laughs> uh, good, good all right bud where are you at so far i, I heard a little bit of of your shtick so far but uh where are you so, at so far I'm I'm still focusing on the
0: Wisconsin Badgers offense versus the Purdue defense. We just started talking Wisconsin-Purdue, so I was like, nah, I'll just start the, the preview real quick. Um, and uh, Jeff in the comments said that Mertz needs to realize there's other receivers other than DK. And I pointed out how he does a pretty good job finding count Lewis at times. And I said I would like – and I brought up the tight ends because the uh, <laughs> party's over, Matt said, but – I uh, said that we don't have any tight ends left. We're on like the fourth tight end right now. So yeah. that's we literally had an game. offensive
1: lineman stood up at tight end last week.
0: Yeah, that's, that's tough. And then I pointed out uh, with the offensive line struggling, I would like to see Garendo used as a receiving option from time to time. I think that could be interesting. You know, especially in wide receiver or uh, running back screens, just let them go. Let them go crazy, man. Line them up against yeah. a, a, a linebacker and just let them go on a fly or
1: something, you know? He was my X-Factor last week, and I was kind of bummed to see that he wasn't involved that much. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> it, um. It. I mean, he had a couple nice kick returns. I mean, up when you get to the last drive of the Michigan State game, the kick return that he had set up the, the game-tying touchdown. Um, yeah. I mean, that was huge. So, you know, I guess as an X-Factor is concerned, you know, he did benefit the team that way. Um didn't even think of that. <laughs> I guess, real quick, I just wanted to go back into – couple things that I just wanted to share about the mm-hmm. recap. Um one on the offensive side, which was um Braylon Allen scored his 20th touchdown of the year or twentieth career touchdown, I shouldn't say the year. That'd be that'd be nuts. Um <laughs> and he's also the um the fifth fewest games to reach two thousand yards. I'm not sure if he threw that out there. It only took him nineteen games to reach two thousand yards. I did so not throw that out there. That's that's nuts. Mm-hmm. Um and then on the defensive side, I heard you talking about the Badgers' effort. Um, yep. And I really wanted to drive that at home with a quote from um, the linebacker, John Mehta. He mm-hmm. said after the game, he said, I'm going to cherish for a long time the fight that we had today. Maybe we had some previous losses where people gave up, threw in the towel before it was time. Said there was no quit today.
0: See – and you could tell that on the field you could see that in their body language and that's that's definitely something that jim is he's getting 100% out of the guys that's the one credit i could give jim
1: mhm and you know it's it's the game honestly where it, what it came down to is i give michigan state credit for how they played in the the overtime periods um the catches that their wide receivers made it's it's impressive. They made really nice plays. There's no there's no denying that. And then obviously, um, when you add in the fumble on top of it, that pretty much yeah. sums up why the Badgers lost. Um, that being said, um, I wanted to throw out a few positive takeaways that I had from this game because I know there's a lot of negativity floating around as far as the state of Wisconsin is concerned with football right now, um, but. You brought up one of them already. The Graham Mertz touchdown to Lewis on fourth and goal. Um, yep. Braylon Allen in the beginning of this game was just breaking tons and tons and tons of tackles. Mm-hmm. So that was encouraging to see See Braylon Allen breaking tackles. Um, they got a stop on fourth and goal in the first quarter. Um, and then Isaac Arendo, I mentioned the kickoff return that he had to the 48-yard line. The... One thing that I'm very glad to see the Badgers have improved on in this game specifically after talking about it through the first six weeks of the season is the Badgers actually defended screens really well in this game. Yeah, that's true. So that was actually really encouraging when we talk about things that the Badgers can improve and then seeing them improve um, defending screens. That's, that's progress. That's encouraging to see that progress. So I was really happy to see that. Um, Flipping over how they can improve for me, I'm looking at, um, improving the tackling. Um, you know, it's pretty much self-explanatory you have to tackle. Um, yeah. I, we talked about this, not this past season, but the season before when Jair Alexander and Adrian Amos were the leading tacklers all the time. You don't mm-hmm. want people in your secondary being your leading tacklers, which is what Kamoe Latu was on Saturday. Um, the other things that I brought up or wanted to bring up penalties, um, That's, you know, that's something we've discussed um, with both of these teams, actually. And then Michigan Mm -hmm. State decided to rack up a shit ton of penalties. Mm -hmm. Graham Mertz feeling pressure. Um, When Graham Mertz feels the pockets start to collapse, we talked about, I know you and I texted about this on Saturday, that there is a strong correlation to the Badgers offensive line play and wins and losses. Mm -hmm. Strong correlation. Oh, yeah. Um, and when Graham Mertz has time to throw, he can hit those deep balls. He's that's what Keon says. Lewis means that his offense honestly is, um, is hitting that deep ball. So, seeing if Graham Mertz can um, take his game to the next level when it comes to sensing pressure—that would be, you know, he's a decent runner. Actually, he's like a decent athlete. So, seeing if Graham Mertz can actually, you know, leave the pocket once in a while. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see if he can continue to work on that and then the last thing was disguising the run on early downs they did do some of this during the game um using lewis and skylar bell um kind of running across the formation uh, before running the ball and they kind of did that i don't know probably three four or five times and then when it got to a second 18 uh, they ran an end around to skylar bell and he took it for what, 20 yards and a long conversion
0: mm-hmm. so
1: you know, keep doing stuff like that. Maybe some more pre-snap motion to kind of disguise the run a little bit, just to um, not make it so obvious that we're going to run the ball. Um, even though that's what the Badgers we'll want worry. to do, anyways, and right, they'll still right. do it to you. Right. Um, but those are the things that I'm looking for how to improve. Um, as far as the preview goes, is there anything else you wanted to say about the Purdue off or the Purdue defense um, against the Badgers' offense? Um. No, I just. I just think the offensive line has to hold up.
0: I, w- I do want to answer Matt's question. Um, Matt, that is true. And I've I've talked about that a million times. Yeah, so I've that's talked true. about it. The thing about the Packers is Rodgers was able to manipulate that. And now as he's getting older – I was going to wait to say this on Friday, but I'm going to say it now. It's almost like Rodgers has lost a step in his speed, his acceleration. And now he's not able to hide that kind of stuff. So when you have a guy – and Newman, who completely goes the other way on a block, Rodgers is not able to break that the dude's and escape that. Just a three hundred
1: pound domino.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yes, it does mean that in in almost every football game. But we, as as Wisconsin fans, as Packers fans, we're so used to Rodgers being able to manipulate that and change and change a play and kind of go backyard football, as they like to say, and, or and throw make on the
1: run when he flushed out of the pocket.
0: Right. Um, so yeah now that might be why uh the Packers offense looks as bad, and Wisconsin is m- very much predicated on the run yet right so offensive line is more important to a Wisconsin team because like Tyler brought up a couple weeks ago, less possessions. so now you get a holding penalty and it's one of your ten nine ten drives of the game that's massive that's a massive massive penalty It it's means essentially
1: more- ten plus percent part of your entire offensive. Yeah, opportunity.
0: That's 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 a massive, massive hit. Um, if you don't block somebody and you only get a one-yard run when you need four yards on a third down, that's massive. Um, yeah, I saw that too, Jeff. That yeah, I I think that we're going to get a surprise on Sunday. That's gonna that's gonna be one of my Simon says. Um am just let you know right now. I think we're going for a surprise in the offensive line after listening to Lafleur today. Um cool. But talking about Purdue, I. They get like I said before. They get NFL talent on this team. They give up a lot of yards this year. I think all, I think offensive line is going to be very important this game. Obviously for Wisconsin, I think Mertz Mertz is going to
1: be the guy this game. Last
0: week I talked about Bradley Allen being the guy, and he was for most part until the fumble. But I think Mertz is the guy this week.
1: So for me, looking at the Badgers' offense against Purdue's defense, um, I am also looking at Graham Mertz. He has thrown 102 fewer passes. Than Purdue's quarterback and has one more touchdown. Yeah. I hate that you do that, man. You always, you always <laughs> move you off.
0: So people are always like, What's that stupid face? Well, Tyler says, I'm cool. That's, That's
1: why. That's I'm waiting for Tyler to pay off his cool stat face. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what that is. <laughs> um, Purdue also gave up 37 points to Nebraska of all teams. Uh, yeah. And they gave up big play after big play after big play. Um. And then I just want to throw out that Braylon Allen is averaging 5.7 yards per carry. As we switch to Purdue's offense against the Badgers' defense, um, Hockaby is a freshman running back for Purdue. He is also averaging 5.7 yards per carry. Um, when it comes to the Badgers' defense against Purdue's offense, um, you just you have to wrap up on tackles. Um, whether it means going lower and wrapping up legs – Or, you know, finishing tackles and going through a player, you just have to wrap up and make tackles. Hockaby, the the Purdue running back, he breaks a lot of tackles. Granted, he was playing Nebraska, but still, um, you have to wrap up and make tackles. Um, John Torchio, he kind of disappointed me on one play last week. Um, The big play that they had to their, their big body wide receiver Torchio was two steps behind him. And instead of going for his legs to make a tackle, he kind of did the thing when, like, a player dribbles past you in basketball where you try to, like, slap the ball from behind mm-hmm. them. He did that. Um, and that, you know, contributed to the big play getting bigger. He was um, scared of that big boy running. I'll tell you that right I, now. I know. But, like, dude, just slap his foot so that he trips on his other leg. Like, right, just th- that's what Herbie said. Just throw, throw your rib cage basketball. into his legs, man. Just trip him up. That's all you have to do. If you would right. have just tripped him up, we yep. went fine. Um and then just just don't arm tackle around the torso. Like yeah. If you try to put an arm tackle on somebody's chest, like it's not even going to matter. Like he might as well be running through a car wash made out of pool noodles, like. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's that. Answer. Um as far as matchups, um I'm looking at Jake Chaney and Cedric Dort. Those two are both reportedly healthy and should be good to go for Saturday. So I'm very excited to see those two back on the field, especially Chaney, um, because he had his best game the week before against Northwestern and then um, had to sit out a game. So we'll see see what happens with those two healthy. Hopefully they can both stay in the full game. But Mm -hmm. um, what are you looking for from Purdue's offense against the Badgers defense?
0: Okay, first of all, Jeff, we gave up 34. Uh, We lost 34-27. Um, and then for me, uh, they have a wide receiver, uh, Purdue does, and he is probably about 90% of their production. When you look at their receiving stats, Charlie Jones, um, he is questionable for the game on Saturday as I checked this morning. Um, but he has 62 receptions, 735 yards and nine touchdowns. Damn. He, he, you know, last year it was David Bell on that offense. Charlie Jones is that guy this year. So uh, Charlie Jones, how Wisconsin defends him is really going to determine a ton of this game. I love your point about the running back; that is great. I'm I'm glad you're covering the running game, and I'm pe- covering the passing game. So now, Wisco fanatics is covered on defense yeah. Wisconsin. So. Dynamic duo. All right, didn't even plan this, people. This just happens. Um, but Charlie it's Jones, chemistry. Yes, yes, sir. Uh, Charlie Jones is the guy for me to watch. Um, on offense, we can we can give our matchups too, if you wanted to. Um, I don't know. Did you have a matchup on offense you were watching for Badgers?
1: Um, I was I'm still watching Graham Mertz.
0: Okay. So I said this is a Grand Mertz game, but Bobby Ingram has to has to have that creative mind working, has to continue to find a way to get the ball to Allen and DK. If it's in space, if it's off short screens, if it's just calling hike and no, and you're letting everybody else run a route, but you're telling Graham Mertz, throw it to Braylon Allen. I don't care what it is. Find a way to get the ball to those two. Those are your playmakers, right? So, yeah. for me, those are the matchups on offense and defense.
1: So, that brings me – that brings it to an interesting point because mm-hmm. um, I have another wide receiver who I would classify as my X factor for this game, and it's because of watching Purdue play against Nebraska and watching Nebraska beat Purdue deep in the passing Ooh. game like seven times. Okay. So, I went with Keontez Lewis. Keontas Lewis is the Badgers' big play guy. He's good at getting separation, and when Graham Mertz has time to throw, he's hit him on some deep balls. So if the Badgers' offensive line can play better, um, like they did against Northwestern, and, you know, like they've shown themselves to be capable of, um, Graham Mertz can hit some deep shots to to Kianta's Lewis and to Kimura DK if if he's uh, running those types of routes. But, um you know, I would say that Keontez Lewis is the Badgers' best big play wide receiver.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, so for my X Factor, I went with Graham Mertz. Um, whether it's throwing a Keontes Lewis, your X Factor, whether it's getting the ball to DK, um, or if it's getting the ball to Skyler Bell, Skyler Bell can fly too. He's got some pretty good wheels on him. Uh, maybe we see a little bit more Isaac Garendo, which I would love, which you would you would love too. Um I would, I would just love to see Graham Mertz have another five-touchdown game just to kind of quiet the haters for another week. So it was nice leading up to this game, having everybody be quiet, to be honest with you. But um, I would love to see Graham Mertz have another game and lead the, the Badgers to a big
1: victory. Honestly, Matt, his interceptions have been, honestly, more like right around 10 yards as far as air targets are concerned. The one that he yeah. had against Illinois was a deeper shot, but that was also a tipped ball.
0: His his interceptions have strictly, and I will I will say this, been poor decision making. Yeah. Straight up. Um, other than that,
1: his ball placement this year, we've said it a million times, probably continue to say it to the end of the season, has been phenomenal. I agree. If you can discern those two, you can really start to see like like Graham Murtz has improved as a quarterback. Um, as far as his physical, his physical abilities have, have gotten from last year to this year. It's, all, it's night and day. Like He's making throws this year that he did not make last year.
0: 100%. Matt, I'm going to give you a challenge this week. It's going to be tough, man. Um, so every once in a while during the games when I know that I'm going to have to take notes and I want to feel like a scout, I take my fandom off and I just watch the game strictly as prospects. So when you're watching the Badgers and you're watching Graham Mertz, Take away that you love the Wisconsin Badgers. And I know it's hard, but I've had to do it myself because I wanted to, you know, fairly critique him. Take that off and watch Graham Merch play. And I promise you, you will see some good, some more good things than bad things. I promise you that. That's my challenge for you, Matt. If you do that, then you're right on board with us, buddy.
1: <laughs> um, you got an X Factor for this game?
0: It's, it's still Graham. Uh, it's it's still Graham Mertz. He's he's the guy. Um I I kind of pick him just because I like I I like talking shit to people, you know, like like against the Northwestern game when somebody was already posting after the first drive. Like I, I love that moment where it's just like shut up, dude. You know what I mean?
1: Like when like, like when people, you know, the brewers would be down like two nothing in the third inning.
0: Yeah, like watch the whole game, see what happens. Like, even, even if Graham Mertz has two turnovers in the first half, Badgers are down 10-0 to zero on Saturday, he could come back out after halftime like a bad mother and just go crazy in the second half, throw three touchdowns, 250 yards, Badgers go on to roll, right? Watch the entire
1: game. That's all I'm saying. All right. So <clears throat> with the Badgers, you know, Jim Leonard mentioned that he's looking for more consistency. That was one of the things that he brought up. And, you know, it's been, we've, we have a two game sample size of Jim Leonard and, and Bobby Ingram kind of running this team. Um, so I think, you know, as far as the Brewers or the Badgers are concerned, um, I think we're starting to get a little bit into the identity shift um, that a lot of people are calling for where it's not run the ball 50 times a game and pass the ball 20 times a game. Um, so, you know, I think we're starting to get into that. Um, I want to put this out there because I'm torn if I believe that it's more important than wins or losses is for the Badgers to find their new identity under Jim Leonard. Um, I think this is potentially a good question to ask, you um, just to ask Mike, to ask, you know, just Badger fans in general. Um, Obviously, it goes without saying that you want to win every game you play. I recognize that. But when it comes down to if you'd rather finish a season seven and five or six and six and, you know, do it by discovering the way that you want to play in the future and the way that Jim Leonard wants to coach his team, the way that he wants to manage his team, um, how he wants to handle the play calling duties on offense and defense. Now that he's not just a defensive coordinator anymore, mm-hmm. it's now his job to also worry about the offense. So, him and Bobby Ingram are just starting to integrate these things together. Obviously, they're on the same team and they've been coordinators together, but like they're not working you know, you're in control of the offense, I'm in control of the defense. It's mm-hmm. now I'm in control of the defense and we are in control of the offense yeah so for me i'm looking also at um some of these things with with the way that the badgers could potentially start to shift their identity um that being said my key to victory um pretty much the same thing i've said for the last couple uh last couple of minutes is um just hitting big plays just hit some big plays is my key to victory because purdue has shown themselves susceptible to it
0: i love that and if i had to choose I would take six and six because finding out who you are, uh, this could be a personal thing. You could take you could take this any way you want. This is why I fucking love sports with everything about me. You can find out who you are and then start to kill. But if you go seven and five and you're still uncertain, you got nowhere to start. But if yep. you find that starting point at six and six, and I think that they're starting to figure it out, because like I said before, the effort, you can just tell it's just worlds better yeah. than what it was in that Illinois game. They look like a bunch of dead bodies walking on that field. Northwestern, they were flying. Michigan State, they were flying for the most part. Yeah. Uh I mean Michigan State punched back. And and credit to them, because that's what good teams do. Yeah. They punch back. That was a hell of a game on Saturday. It sucked that we lost. That was a great football game to watch. I agree. There was some defense, there was some offense. There was a little bit of sloppiness with the with the penalties. Uh, there was some turnovers. That was exciting football. The overtime, yeah, that was awesome. I mean, there there was a, a game time touchdown game. fourth down. That was down. a
1: Big Ten football game.
0: Yeah, there was a there was a, a game time touchdown a fourth down in the overtime. I mean, that's that's exciting shit. So I love that. I love that six and six. Find out who you are. That's awesome. Good shit. Um, I'm gonna read Matt's comment. He said, "Is Jim Leonard actually running?" To be head coach next year, I saw a lot of buzz about other candidates initially and haven't kept up. Listen, man, we all we all know this to be true, and they're not going to say it. It's Jim Leonard's job to lose at this point.
1: It's Honestly, I don't even think it's his job to lose. I think it's his job to accept or decline, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It's, they use it, the it, word – the, w- the reason it, it, that we brought up other candidates uh, a couple weeks ago was strictly because – uh Mcintosh when when making the announcement used the word interim when he brought up Jim Leonard. So I think they're just going to have Jim Leonard finish out the year and then at the end of the season they're going to say hey Jim, do you want to stay the head coach? Do you want to go back to being defensive coordinator? And then they'll go from there. Um mm-hmm. just be- like I said strictly because they used the word interim. If they had introduced him as this is our new head coach Jim Leonard, that would have made me feel like the job was filled. Um, but to me, it still feels more of like a to-be-determined at this point. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's his. I really do. Jeff echoes our sentiment that it would made yes. for a fun game to watch. And like like you said, it would have <laughs> been a fun game to come out on top of. But, yes. you know, as, as far as being a football fan goes, you know, it's, it's still a fun game to watch. Oh, um, really? Jeff brought up she- Kansas and Washington State. Um, Kansas coach said, no, I mean, if he's got full reins over in Kansas and, you know, maybe he likes where he's at and he likes the players that he's got, um, which reminds me, speaking of players that coaches have, um, Marcus Allen also entered the transfer portal. Um, he was a Paul Christ guy. So, um, him entering the transfer portal doesn't really shock me. Um, and then when you add in the fact that he kind of had some drops early in the year, and then got passed up on the depth chart by Quintez Lewis and Skylar Bell doesn't really shock me that Marcus Allen is entering the transfer port. Yeah, I mentioned that before. Okay. Uh, I just want to throw out my thoughts on that because just wanted to throw out that he was a Paul Christ guy. Yeah, um, definitely. So, let's go into some score predictions. Got two of them to do. Right. Um, I'll let you go first. Give me your score prediction from the head. Yeah. All right, my score prediction from the head. This is definitely
0: the more analytical one. Definitely the one that's going to happen because it's coming from my head. Thirty-one
1: twenty-one. Thirty-one twenty-four, huh? I unfortunately don't see um, a relaxing of stress for Badgers fans. Um, I said thirty-one thirty. Oh. Yeah. Sheesh. All right.
0: I- my score prediction from the heart. It's close to that, 37-30. to
1: My score prediction from the heart, I went basically more points for the Badgers, less points for Purdue. I went 42-24. Jeff, I love it. We've never had a fan
0: participate in the score predictions. I love it. He says, Bucky, 35-33. I'm going to write down your score, Jeff. I write, down, I write down the scores every week. Yeah, now, Come back next
1: Wednesday, Jeff. Jake, will keep track next. of it for you.
0: I, I, I like to keep track. Jeff says 35-33. Okay. That would be a hell of a game. Allen, 150 yards. Okay. See that. Let me write that down, too, real quick, man. <laughs> okay. Got to get my other pen.
1: Allen. Ooh, Matt said Purdue 28-24. Matt is 28-24. I think the Badgers are going to hit some big plays. That's why I gave Badgers 31. I don't, I don't think Purdue is very good on defense. That's why I said that we were going to score 30. <laughs> their, their defense is leaky, but so was Nebraska's. That's why they ended up winning that game. Right. Um, really going to come down to, and this is the way that I predicted it, obviously with my score prediction, is the Badgers just getting one more stop than Purdue and that pretty much being the game. Um, You know, that's, that's the point I'm at with the defense is that, um, you know, even though they've been inconsistent at times, like Jim Leonard said, it's, it's still close. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's still close to being a good defense, but. They just don't have the playmaker
0: up front that is always in the quarterback's face. Matt, you're a fool, man. You're a fool. I'm not picking them to win games so they look better. See, I I can't do that. I always have to pick
1: them, unless it's against Ohio State. Then I know. No, not happening. (laughs) All right. Do you have anything else as far as the Badgers are concerned? No. Nope. 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 All right. Well, we have some basketball then. Let's go, Jeff, baby. Talk. The NBA started up again yesterday. Um, yes, they should, Jeff. So to just to do a little warm up for for the Bucks, I uh, have here we go, baby. Two questions to ask you. Okay. Both of them are trade related to kind of warm up for this. So, first question: What percent chance would you give? Grayson Allen of being on the team after the trade deadline? Oh,
0: You're a bastard. You know I just wrote that article last night. <laughs> you know I love me some Marjan. Ugh. I'm going to say there's there's definitely some factors that I'm thinking of. Ooh.
1: I'll say 50%. I was thinking 50% as well. We have 50-50. Jeff gives it a 1.33% chance. <laughs> so tell me you don't like Grayson Allen without telling me you don't like Grayson <laughs> Allen. <laughs> Matt, the Giants just beat the 33%. That's fair. He gives them a one third. The Giants um, are good this year. I was just so going to say that. The Giants beat the Ravens, and the Jets have a legit defense. They the, really The do.
0: Jets are good this year, too. They're exciting with Zach Wilson at quarterback. He gives them an extra spice. Gives them I'm, a little not, I'm not
1: super sold on their offense yet, but their defense is legit. Brees Hall is the truth. I'll just say That's that. fair. But, anyway. 33%. I, I was thinking 50-50, honestly.
0: Yeah, it's he's got a 50-50. There's, there's some uh, – you want me to get my thoughts on it, why I picked 50? Go ahead. Well, the emergence of Joe Ingles could hurt him. If Marjan is, lives up to his hype of being a first-round pick and everything we heard about him being able to score, play defense, um, the fact that it, Wes Matthews – Literally, if he just shoots the ball better, could permanently steal his starting shooting guard spot, which I think he probably will anyways, because, you know, Bud likes the defense.
1: I think it'll Um, be like that on, I think it'll be like last year, where like Grayson will start most of the year just because he's younger, and then once he gets to like tune up time for the playoffs, then they'll put Wesley Matthews in. Yeah, so that, that, I mean, we got a lot of wings, man. If if Pat comes back
0: strong, I mean, we're going to have plenty of wing players. I think if they trade him, it has to be for a center,
1: a backup center. That's what I think. Honestly, I liked what I've seen from Serge Baca so far. Okay, that's fair. Um, that's fair. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit. Um, the second question that I have for you as far as warm-ups go, mm-hmm. you need to put these three players in order of the likelihood that the Bucks trade for them. All right, let me write them down. I'm ready. Okay, so put these three in order of the likelihood that you trade for them. Um, Jay Crowder, Jordan Clarkson, and Mo Bamba. Clarkson. Jeff, Grayson Allen did struggle with a hip injury for most of the second half of the season, (laughs) so that could be a factor in it. Um, That said, he did still play well overall and have a strong first round of the playoffs and then a not-so-strong second-round of the playoffs. All
0: right. So, <laughs> my third place and the least likely in my position would be Mo Bamba. I know that's probably shocking I put him on the list because
1: I want him on the team. I know. I want him, too. He's got a cool name. He's got a rap song about him. I mean, he f- He fits awesome. the mold of what the Bucks want to do with their centers, too.
0: He could run the floor with Giannis. And get some easy buckets on the fast break. He can block. He can shots, shoot threes can and block threes. shots. Right. Um, second, I put Jay Crowder. Just because, like I said, there's a log jam at that that three or four position on the Bucks already. And then first, I think it's Clarkson. Um, I think he would. That's a championship level move to me. Um, going to get a a, a legit scorer outside of Giannis and Middleton that you know like off the bench you leave him in with a Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday just let him do his thing like he does with 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 Chris. Yep. Clarkson you handle the ball you take all the shots you go you're gonna make it happen. He's a big time player. I think Clarkson would be a championship level move.
1: I think he's the one that the Bucks have shown the most interest in as well Mm -hmm. or at least reported interest in. Um Mm -hmm. Mo Bamba is purely a speculation point by me, just because he fits the mold. <laughs> like I said, he blocks shots and shoots threes. So, I mean, what what more do you want from the center if you if you play for the Bucks? Um, and then Jay Crowder, it just it almost makes too much sense for Jay Crowder to be on the Bucks just because of what they did with PJ Tucker two years ago. But mm-hmm. that's why I threw him on the list. So those are my warm up questions. So we can now do our Bucks primer questions. We're going to do first. We're going to start with teams that stand in the way of the Bucs that pose the biggest threat in the East. Uh, we're going to give them a 1 through 10 threat level that they pose to the Bucks in the Eastern Conference. So um, you want to go first or you want me to go first? I talked more in this episode, so you go first. All right. So I'm going to go in order of, as far as the way that I rank them, I'm going to go What's in on? the order of least threat to highest threat. So the three teams that I have are the Bulls, the Heat, and the Celtics. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna start with the Bulls. I have them at a four out of ten on a threat level to the Bucks. Um, they added Goran Dragic and Andre Drummond. Um, Dragic is basically just a stopgap for Lonzo Ball until he's healthy, and then Drummond, he's not versatile enough to move the move the needle for me for Chicago. Um, he's a really mm-hmm. good rebounder. He's a great rebounder, but You know, he like I said, he's not not versatile enough to move the needle for Chicago for me. So I have the Bulls at a 4 out of 10. Okay. So I will go the same way.
0: So my teams that I have are the 76ers, the Cavaliers, and the Nets. So (laughs) it was hard for me to pick a number for the 76ers. Because I'm like, on one hand, they got Joel Embiid. Guy is absolutely a stud on both ends of the court. Top ten player in the league, no question to me. Yep. Um, on the other hand, they have James Harden. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't have to, I don't have to talk a lot to get you to buy into that. <laughs> the third part of that is Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey is a a young budding star, in my opinion. And if they can find a way to get James Harden to buy in to the team first mentality. I think that they could be dangerous. Do I think that's going to happen? This many years into his career, what, 13 years into his career, maybe 12? No, not going to happen. I have them as a threat level of five.
1: That's fair. For a dude that forced his way off of two teams in two years, like, I don't know what Philadelphia saw outside of being able to get rid of Ben Simmons. I just – you know, I I don't see anything from James Harden that makes me believe that he would all of a sudden adopt a selfless mindset. Um <laughs> That was funny <laughs> as hell, Jeff. That was so funny. He the thing with that, Harden, like, I never really enjoyed watching him play just because his offense during his, his peak years was basically isolation, try to get fouls to get to the free throw line. Yeah, it was cool that he scored 35 points a night, but when you get 20 free throws a game, like, that doesn't impress me. Yeah. And then on top of that, that he basically just lot of gagged on defense to conserve energy to play offense, like, I, that no never hard. sat well with me either. And then it got worse last year. So they're in their – um <laughs> the shot maybe LOL so hard. The, <laughs> last year they're in an elimination game against the Miami Heat, and they're getting blown out. And James Harden is just jogging up and down the floor. And he's just standing on the three-point line. Like, he's not even moving to try to get open. He's not trying to get the ball. Like, he pretty much, honestly, he just, like, pouted up and down the floor for the last five minutes of the game.
0: Let me ask you a question.
1: How the hell does P.J.
0: Tucker see that? Because he was on the other end of that. And he still yeah. decided to sign there.
1: Uh, I mean, money's got to be a factor. Yeah. He's got a lot of shoes. <laughs> I don't Should've... know. Like maybe maybe the allure of playing with Joel Embiid was enough. Yeah. Uh maybe Doc Rivers was enough. Yeah, Philadelphia I mean, was was he in Houston at the same time as Harden? He might have yes, actually already. Was. Okay, so there might be a little bit of chemistry there, but He remember when they uh he
0: was the one that turned into the center when they traded uh what's oh name? Capella to Atlanta, yeah. So PJ Tucker was a six-six a center.
1: Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. All right. So my second one, I have the Miami Heat. Um personally, I don't feel that they got better. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel that the Miami Heat got better. They extended Tyler Hero, and that was pretty much their biggest offseason move. Like they lost Tyler or they lost PJ Tucker. They extended Tyler Hero. That was pretty much all they did. <clears throat> um, they, they have Oladipo? a decently what's that? Did they bring back Ola Depot? Yes.
0: Okay. So they're they're wondering.
1: basically the same team they were last year. Okay. And they have some nice reserves and Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. And you know, they have a player coach and Udonis Haslam. But honestly, <laughs> I don't feel that they got better this season. Um, um I think they're going to be a really good regular season team, but as far as the Eastern Conference goes, I have them at a five as well.
0: Okay, I like it. So my next team is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are an interesting team. Uh, obviously, adding a guy like Donovan Mitchell instantly puts you on everybody's radar. Mm-hmm. So that guy, that guy's a star. He could score. He's he's fantastic. The thing that really is going to be the scariest thing about the Cavaliers. Is that they are young and hungry? The and hunger, athletic as hell. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, that, I mean ta- they're very talented. Um, when you combine young, hungry, and talent, that is a very dangerous combination. So, adding adding Donovan Mitchell uh, is is very big to me. The key, Isaac, you're gonna love. It. Isaac's yep. gonna
1: become a Cavaliers fan because he the Lakers, already
0: said so. it. He already said it. The key to the Cavaliers is if Mobley takes that jump. He already showed flashes, brilliant flashes, of being a rim protector, shooting, scoring. If he could take that jump, the Cavaliers will be very, very dangerous. I mean, Dad, you would think that, but that's not true. Look at look at the Lakers. They don't look very hungry. They just look old. <laughs> um, I have the Cavaliers as a seven level
1: threat to the seven. Milwaukee Bucks. Wow. That's high. I, um, they're they're scary. So the Cavaliers, honestly, outside of if you set aside the guards, so set aside um, Garland and Mitchell for a second, and you look at Mobley and uh, Jarrett Allen, yep. it's, it, it gives me like a shade of 2018 Bucks vibes. Okay. Where you kind of got like, like they had Jabari Parker and then Giannis and, yep. and Thon Maker, and they just had all Thon these Henson. tall, lanky guys that yep. have like all this potential. Like that's kind of the vibe I get from the Cavaliers. Like I feel like they're going to start making, you know, this year is going to be the first, you know, they'll get a six seed this year and then they'll get a five seed next year. And then they'll maybe get a new coach and then they'll be one of the best teams in the East. So they are going to be, um, they're going to be a factor in the Eastern conference for sure. Um, honestly, they'll probably be a fun team to watch. Um, but I think I would put them at a second round exit, honestly. um. For me, I'd probably have the Cavaliers around a 6 maybe instead of a 7 because okay. um, I wouldn't pick them in a 7-game series over the Celtics, the Nets, the Bucks, or the 76ers.
0: I might pick them over the Nets even though I have them higher, but that would be a damn good series.
1: That would be a fun series to watch. That would be a fantastic series. If the Bucks are see- in the Eastern Conference Finals and there's still two games to play between Nets and Cavaliers, I'm going to watch those games and have a lot of fun.
0: Oh yeah, those are gonna be
1: fantastic Those would be fantastic. Donovan
0: Mitchell could go toe to toe with Kyrie Irving.
1: Oh yeah, dude. Toe like to like when Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray went toe to toe in the ball. Yeah, battle. that was that nuts. Was, oh, that was so much fun to watch. <laughs> the bubble was a
0: weird place, man. And Isaac has weird. good memories from it. We do not. But no. that was a weird place. I mean, people were just going crazy. Who the heck? Who the heck am I thinking of on the Pacers?
1: God damn it! I think the TJ Warren.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Was he on the Pacers then? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, he had like that 50-point game or whatever.
1: I was like, he's a nobody. Why is he scoring like this? <laughs> he's good for that like <laughs> once a year, and then he'll score like nine points the rest of the year.
0: <laughs> for real. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. But but anyways, let's see. All right. <laughs> so my
1: last team is the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, They lost their coach, Ime Udoka. He's out for the year. He's probably going to get fired when it all said and done. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they added Malcolm Brogdon. Um, it helps their point guard room, but you know it also means probably less playing time for Marcus Smart because they ran Marcus Smart at the point guard position um, in their series against the Bucks last year. He basically just became the de facto point guard. Similar, like similarly to way PJ Tucker became the center for the Rockets just mm-hmm. because he was the next best player on the floor. Mm-hmm. So it could potentially mean less time for Marcus Smart. Um, Grant Williams is going to be a guy to keep an eye on for the Celtics because he is on the last year of his, um, his rookie deal and they did not tender an extension to him. So he is a restricted free agent. He did not get a new deal. Um, so he's potentially, he could potentially be traded if the Celtics don't have the the season that they want to, because he would be a free agent at the end of the season. Um, he was, he was a bucks killer. He was like a big reason that the Celtics won game seven. If he didn't flop so much, I might actually like him. But you know, it is what it is. Um, And then the Celtics, the Celtics get a big fat L for signing Blake Griffin. You get a gigantic L for signing Blake Griffin. A team that flops, he does. He goes there. He's he's a flopper, so he fits in perfectly with that team. Dude, he laughable. He doesn't play defense. He. Doesn't play offense, and he doesn't dunk like he did ten years ago. He's Blake Griffin. Honestly, as far as this point is con- is concerned in his career, like he had a cool career and like he was fun to watch. But at this point, like I really feel that like Blake Griffin has washed up. Yeah, sorry, um, Blake Griffin. Dad,
0: the NBA does flop, but they are the worst by far, worst team at flopping. Marcus is smart. The worst at flopping. Grant Williams is very close second. Blake Griffin gets all those charge calls. He's a big old flopper. It's a Kardashian reject. Hey, that's a long, long list. That is a long reject list.
1: Hey, just wait. If, like, if Blake Griffin gets hurt, like, the Celtics might call up Chris Humphreys and see what he's up to. <laughs>
0: Another. <laughs> yeah, and then, and, then, and then if he gets hurt, they can call up Lamar Odom. <laughs>
1: Oh, oh man, the one that I reject. We need an old power forward. Let's let's just go through the Kardashian phone book.
0: <laughs> oh gosh! All right, <laughs> I'm gonna say some inappropriate stuff. We keep going. So, <laughs> my number one team on my list is the Brooklyn Nets, uh, simply for the reason that Katie and Kyrie, as dysfunctional as they are, are fucking good. Okay, point blank period. They're Ball dominant they are scoring a lot of points dominant they do whatever they have to do in a playoff series I do not want to face KD you know it, it, with the game on the line I mean that's still scary to me <laughs> on the line <laughs> <laughs> didn't even mean to do that it just happened <laughs> um but yeah KD he's still in the running for best player in the league even though that title belongs to Giannis right now yep I do believe that Nick's Clack Nick Claxton has improved a ton in the last couple of years they did add some depth, and yeah. Ben Simmons could be the X factor. Um, he's great on defense, and he's he's good at getting them getting teams out in the break, uh, either finishing or finding the open man. So, um, I think I think the Nets are are a scary team if they if they gel, but I don't think they have the coach. So, for that reason of not having the coach, I put them at an eight. If they'd have a coach. They would be the biggest. Dude, imagine,
1: imagine Eric Spolstra with the Nets.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, maybe a ten. They'd be a a ten
1: plus. Maybe a ten plus. (laughs) They'd be insane. They, dude. Okay, here we go. Here we go. This is gonna be fun. The Nets with Eric Spolstra would be what everybody in mainstream sports media thinks that the Nets are. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. That team has way too good of a roster for all of the hype that they get to have not made a second, like made it past the second round, and then to still be put as a title favorite every season. It's ridiculous. It's because of KD and Kyrie. Kyrie is the problem. And Kyrie not not is the a
0: problem. Not that I'm, I'm, you know, letting KD get off of the uh, off the schneid here. But, you know, because he did request a trade. Once upon a time, Kobe re- requested a trade from the from the Lakers. And he was struggling in the playoffs. He was almost traded to the Raptors, I heard. Yeah, losing in the first round, you know, in four games or five games, whatever it was. And Kobe was not Kobe. Um, He found that killer instinct and turned into the Black Mamba. But, you know, KD has that ability to just turn it on and turn it into an elite scorer whenever the hell he wants to. Yeah. He's definitely one of the top five greatest scorers in this game's history. When the hell are you ever going to find another seven-footer that shoots from 30 feet? I mean, we might get one next year in the draft. Um, Webb and Yama or whatever his name yeah. is. But KD's,
1: KD's a beast. Um, a couple of things in the comments. Anthony, um, the Celtics have a lot of ref criers, honestly. Like Marcus, Marcus Smart does a lot of crying to the refs. Al Horford does a lot of crying to the refs. Um, and then Pat, KD, he's, as far as the Nets go, they, they haven't made it out of the second round. I don't understand why everybody has him as like the one seed and playing the Lakers in the finals. Like, cool, they're from New York and they have KD. Like, that doesn't mean that there's not other teams in the East that are just as qualified to be in those conversations. Isaac, but I get I it. You. We're from Wisconsin. So, oh, yeah, the Bucks have Giannis and that's it.
0: Isaac, I love you and I apologize. That shit made me laugh so goddamn much when they predicted the Lakers versus the Nets. I was like, oh, hell no, bro. Oh, do they
1: not dude, know that Anthony I Davis took, is going to be hurt? I, dude, <laughs> in 2021, I took a lot of flack for having the Suns beating the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs that year and putting the Suns in the in the finals. And then I predicted the Bucs and the Suns in the finals and the Bucks in six correctly and I'm just like, <laughs> okay, yep, I get it. It's New York and, and, and Los Angeles, and that's all everybody cares about if you watch ESPN, but I hate that shit. One of the reasons Jake and I started this show is because we actually want to give Wisconsin a voice for once because so. you turn on ESPN, they're probably just talking about Tom Brady, and then they're going to talk about the Lakers, and then, nope, look at that. Time for Skip Bayless to come on and argue with Shannon Sharp about stuff for an hour. No, like, they 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 talk about the Packers, but only because they're doing bad. Uh, touche. Only because Rodgers looks
0: bad right now. Do they talk about the Packers? If the yeah. Packers are doing whole home, they're five and one.
1: Rodgers is doing what he normally does. They're not going to talk yep. about us. There's more controversial stuff to talk about. Exactly. Yeah, that's. I hate that about sports, um, um, yeah. sports media. You know, I miss the old days of of SportsCenter when everybody had an even amount of time. Um, nowadays, it's just talk about whatever is going to get you clicked on, and and that sucks. Um, you know, it sucks. But and yeah, Anthony, people made excuses when the Bucks won it all, and it's you can do that for every single team ever. You just, literally can. You can go back every team ever. Oh, if this wouldn't have happened, if Katie's foot wouldn't have been on the line, you can you can go back every single season and find something that. If that wouldn't have happened, that team wouldn't have won the championship. So,
0: Yeah, just like last year. If Chris Middleton didn't get hurt, are the Celtics going to the finals?
1: Exactly. Probably not, but we'll never know. Right. Um, Yeah, Pat, I can't tell you the last time I just sat down and turned on ESPN. I only turn it on when there's a game on there. Couldn't tell you. If I want to watch something from sports, as far as sports media is concerned, I go to Twitter and I find exactly what I'm looking for. And honestly most of my influence comes from beat writers, whether it's from the Wisconsin beat writers that are here, um, which one of them we're going to have on the show on Friday night. We're going to have Mike Spofford on from um, Packers.com or, or from other places, you know, whether it's uh, it doesn't matter what city it's from. If you go to the beat writers, those are the ones that are closest to the team. I would trust um, a Matt Schneidman who writes for the athletic for the Packers over Colin Coward when it comes to opinions on the Packers because he spends every day in Green Bay with the team. Colin Coward is in a studio. Like, I want the people that are closer to the teams that spend more time on it and have their more trusted opinion. Colin Coward's just going to say whatever gets him clicked on. Yeah,
0: he he really is a bum, Anthony.
1: Um, One day we're going to be there.
0: We're going to be next to Matt Schneidman. We're going to be there, buddy. Oh. Colin dude, he talked about Rodgers today, and I listened to the first 30 seconds and I was like, not even going to waste my time. Not even going to waste my time.
1: He's an idiot. When, when Skip Bayless was comparing Aaron Rodgers to Justin Fields last year, I was just like, there's no fucking way that you even believe the stuff that's coming out of your own mouth. <laughs> <laughs> right, dude. <laughs> All right, so those hey, are the teams we have as threats in the East for the Bucks. Yep. Um, it'll certainly be an interesting season in the Eastern Conference. Um, so we're going to give um, additions and departures. So this is actually going to be kind of a short segment, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. The only departures really is just fringe guys on the roster. So, you know, Rayjean mm-hmm. Tucker, and Lindell Wiggington, Marcus Bolden, Luca Vildoza. Guys we already knew weren't going to be factors on the team, anyways. Um, and then when it comes to additions, it's basically Joe Ingles and Marjan Bocham are the additions. Um, Hugo Bassan was also drafted, but he's going to spend the league in the new or the, the year in the New Zealand league, uh, basically just developing more. Um, yeah, Dan Patrick is a little bit better. Um, Skip Bayless at RG3 would be better than Rodgers. Yeah. He said that about Tebow too. Yeah. And Johnny Manziel. Yep. Um, And yeah, Pat, that's pretty much how all of them are is just so people watch people, you know, it's basically people like that is that negative attention is still attention. And Jake and I will not do that. We will, we would rather have a smaller, more dedicated fan base of people that actually enjoy watching our show and interacting with us than to, um, you know, come over here and I'm going to take everything that's in the background and I'm going to smash it all on the ground. Cause the Packers started three and three just to get people watch me get mad. That's, no. that's not, that's not the type of thing that Jake and I are going for. We're going for quality optimism and, you know, just like enjoying Wisconsin sports. Cause that's what we've done our entire lives. Mm-hmm. All right. So, for me, as far as additions and departures are concerned, I would almost turn this around and just frame it as focusing on retention and then addition. So I'll <laughs> smash everything for you off camera. <laughs> that gets expensive, Matt. <laughs> it could be really expensive yeah. this year. Um, so what are your thoughts on it's been a long time since you ripped your shirt over again? Last time I did it was the Brandon Bostick fumble. That was the last time. So 2014. Long, long. That's pretty long time. <laughs> and the only other time it happened was the Badgers national championship game when Justice Winslow stepped out of bounds. So those are the only two times that I ripped a shirt. So give me your give me your thoughts on additions and departures.
0: Yeah, uh, like you said, just retention. So bringing Bobby Ibaka, Pat West, those guys, glue guys. Yep. Uh, that's very important. Uh, Isaac's talk about it in the, in the comments. Joe Ingles is going, is quietly going to be the pickup of the year. I expect that to happen towards the end of the year. We're gearing up for the playoffs and he's really getting integrated with the guys. Um, I think people are going to start seeing how important Joe Ingles will be. Um, March on Bowchamp is an X factor. He could, he could really, really take this team, and give it some young blood that it so badly needs. Um, give it give it that little bit of bolt of energy from a guy in the 7-8 spot. Just come in, give me give me eight points, play some defense. You never know. Bud needs to play Ibaka more.
1: I agree, Anthony. I actually agree. I actually really liked what I saw from Ibaka in the preseason. He looks like he's playing with energy. He looks younger than he did towards the end of last season. And maybe being traded off a Clippers team that's like, hey, we have a lot of talent on our roster when it's healthy, if it's ever healthy. And getting into Milwaukee and and being in a place where his his influence, you know, being a guy who's going to come in and play really hard-nosed defense is appreciated. uh, Which I think is something that Budenholzer probably instilled. um, Being more of a, you know, people are going to be like, oh, he's not a defensive coach. But Budenholzer is a defensive-minded coach. Um, he just prioritizes defending the paint because that's where the highest percentage of shots are made. So I do agree on playing Ibaka more, and it, it stems down for two reasons. So one is to protect Brook Lopez's health just so that he doesn't play a ton of minutes throughout the regular season. The other being to protect Giannis Attentacupo from playing the center position. Yes. Um, if we get into a game where we're playing against the 76ers, I said this last year, if – if the Bucks had matched up in a playoff series against the 76ers, that's what Ibaka was traded for, was to defend Joel Embiid mm-hmm. um, so that Giannis didn't have to. He can defend Bam Adebayo so that Giannis doesn't have to. He doesn't have to go and bang with those guys. And and the Clint Capellas, um, so like those types of players, Julius Randle, for example, so that Giannis doesn't have to bang into those guys all game and then be worn out at the end of the game. So that's – I really agree on the Ibaka needs to play more.
0: I love, okay, so you're talking about this,
1: and it's very strategic, and I agree
0: 100%. But I love all the old dudes that are like, the best players should be matching up with the best players. You understand the pace of the game is faster now? Like, don't talk about scores, okay? And you have to look at analytics, and some old dudes hate analytics. You have oh, yeah. to look at the analytics Dude, to see okay. the case of Just the game.
1: Real quick on the subject of analytics, I can't post a single damn thing about the Brewers without people going, well, have they learned how to bunt yet?
0: <laughs> I mean, they probably should learn how to bunt. They, I agree with that. I do agree with that. But do you have to have a schneid comment for every goddamn
1: post? God. Dude, I, posted, I posted an article about the Brewers' injuries, and people are like, don't talk about um, it. The Brewers learn how to bunt yet? Like, why? What does that have to do with injuries? Or I posted the the video of us talking about um, the guys in the minor leagues batting with runners in scoring position. Well, have they learned how to bunt yet? It's Like, this is about minor league players that can hit with runners in scoring position. Why are you talking about bunting? I don't want to bunt with runners in scoring position. I want to hit with runners in scoring position.
0: That I mean, that would help. That would
1: help. Okay. Anyways, do you, do you
0: want to answer Isaac's question? Any thoughts on Van Vliet?
1: No comment. I'm only here, so I don't get <laughs> fine.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I don't like Van Vliet either, but I like him a little bit more than Tyler does. <laughs> uh, All right.
1: I'll let you continue now on your your pace of play.
0: Um, yeah, I just I just love how they're always like, oh, the game, the, the scores were this and, and this, and they were scoring this back in the day. Like, dude, the, the pace of the game is faster. Like, do you expect <laughs> – do you expect the Giannis to, to go down the floor as fast as he can, come down, block a shot, and do that every possession for 48 straight minutes and then bang with a center at the same time? That outweighs him, by the way, By I don't know. How, how much does Joel Embiid weigh? 280?
1: 270.
0: Okay, so 30, 40 pounds. Over over the course of the game, that's a lot. Okay? Um, so, no, I don't want Giannis guarding um, Embiid. And then the next day, we play the Suns, and he has to, he has to guard, you know, Devin Booker. Um, I mean – the pace of play is the reason that they need strategies like this, and Serge Ibaka will be. And I was gonna say we're gonna see it tomorrow night. We'll see what Bud does tomorrow night, uh, dude. I can't believe we have Bucks basketball tomorrow.
1: I know, dude. I'm watching preseason, and I'm like, oh, I just feel good that basketball's back. Yeah, right. Um, Matt brought up uh, bunting away from the shift with a guy in scoring position, um, and Jeff took care of the answering that part for me. There is no shift next year. Um. Anthony, no, Middleton is not back tomorrow. Middleton and Connaughton are on about the same, um, the same timeline. They're both going to miss a few weeks, so they're both going to essentially miss the first, um, the first what six games in October, and then probably the first week of November. So they're both going to miss probably about ten games, um, ten to twelve games or so. Um, Anthony, I can share it on the Wisco, on the Wisco Fanatics page. Um, I wrote actually an article about if the Bucks should play more small ball or if they should go with more big lineups yep. with um, with Pat Connaughton and um, Chris Middleton out. So I can share that if people are interested in reading that. Um, I agree. You know, you you kind of touched on it already. The focus on retention, um, not only keeping guys for this season but also extending guys. So they brought back Wesley Matthews just for this season, Serge Ibaka just for this season, um, and Joe Ingles just for this season. Mm-hmm. Javon Carter, they signed to a two-year deal. So, Javon Carter's here for this year and next year. Pat Connaughton opted into his player option and then received an extension. So, Pat Connaughton is here for the next four years, and Bobby Portis was signed to a four-year deal. So, basically, um, the Bucks have their core you know, players that are younger locked up. They got locked
0: up. I was so excited when I saw that Pat and Bobby signed four-year deals. I was like, thank
1: God I could not stand watching them in another uniform. I know, dude. Like, I I fell in love with them too much. They're both great guys for the city of Milwaukee, too. Yeah. Not even just the basketball. You're right. Exactly, yeah. I mean, even off the court, they're both great people to have in Milwaukee. Um, Javon Carter for sixth man of the year. Over Pat Connaughton? Over Bobby Portis? He ain't going over either of them dudes. Bobby Portis might be a starter, from what I've been hearing. So we'll see. I think I think Bobby Portis might be a starter in in, in the absence of Chris Middleton, but I don't think he's going to start the whole season. Um yes, Jeff, I do think Yelich and, and Rowdy both have huge um effects on the shift. I think we talked about that last week. Dude, he's um he's up
0: for three weeks, Matt.
1: Yeah, Pat's only gonna miss three weeks. He's only gonna miss 10 or 12 games. I mean, he can still play the season goes all the way
0: till April, man. It's it's October right now.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I was gonna say, Matt, you're gonna you can't say Javon Carter for sixth man of the year and then walk it back. You gotta wear that. Put it on a t shirt. Yeah, yeah,
0: man. I'm gonna make you start throwing (laughs)
1: shit in here, man. Dude, hey, he (laughs) shot 55% from three point line for 20 games last year. Put that on a t shirt and wear it. Hey, let the freak flag fly.
0: I love some Javon Carter. Don't get me wrong. Me and Tyler we just talked about him yesterday, um. But ah uh, man, Pat and Bobby, those are those are glue guys.
1: Those those are guys. <laughs> I'll wear, but no championship some reason. guys. Hey, we, I would I would wear a Javon Carter T-shirt. I'm not be that way,
0: dude. The ball, the Celtics versus Buck series is going to be phenomenal. Except this time around, Giannis is going to have help, and he's still going to yeah. be dunking on them fools. Also. I don't expect Al Horford to turn into a goddamn superstar for four games.
1: Or how annoying was that? Like 70% of his threes. Yeah. Um, for real. Thoughts on George Hill. He's gonna be um salary addition to a trade. This is how I feel about George Hill. I
0: will okay. So I gave Matt a challenge before, so I will give my like straight up scout like answer. George Hill on a roster is a valuable piece for veteran, backup, point guard, and defense. Obviously, he didn't show that in the playoffs, especially in the Celtics series. But he's still a valuable asset to a contending team. So we could find a way to dump him, give Javon Carter his minutes. I'd be all for that. If we go into the playoffs with George Hill as our backup point guard, I'll be honest, I might be in the minority. Still okay with that too. That's just how I feel. You could, he's he's, he's had a good career.
1: That's honestly, Isaac, that's fair. Um, he is that veteran leader, like you said. Um this is gonna it's gonna sound weird, it feels gross, but some of the highest pairs of players, so two players on the floor together at a time, some of the highest on the team included George Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as plus-minus is concerned. We're so if you lineups, go to NBA.com, right? you look up stats from 2021 and 2022, you can go on lineups. You can go on two-player lineups. Okay. Um, the first two are like, like a three-game combination and a one-game combination. Then you get to, I think it's like 56 games, and the highest plus-minus combination of two-player combos is George Hill and Giannis. Really? So I mean, George Hill, you. despite struggling in the playoffs, which is well documented at this point, he's a he's a valuable player to have during the regular season, um, and he's gonna play he's gonna play some minutes while Pat Connaughton and Chris Middleton are out. We will see two point guard lineups for chunks of the beginning of this season. It's not something that people need to freak out over. So we can get that out of the way. Is that George Hill is gonna play a solid amount of minutes? Um, but you know it's not going to be that way the entire season um winning without hill and then got worse when he came back i don't i don't feel that the bucks got worse when he came back
0: how Um, do you compare two separate seasons yeah and we can't you can't do injuries you can't do players that progressed on other teams you can't do players that regressed on your team like there's so who, many moving factors.
1: Who was the backup point guard on the championship team? Was it Jeff Teague? It was Jeff Teague and pretty much Giannis. And Chris Middleton handled the ball a shit done. Yeah, true. Um God damn it, Matt. Matt's trolling. We don't do that here. No <laughs> trolling. It's not allowed. I'm gonna next. I'm throwing this helmet next. This helmet's getting thrown next. Um <laughs> actually, people don't like. People don't like hearing this, but in the bubble, George Hill was our best player in the playoffs. Yeah, that's pretty sad because we sucked in the bubble.
0: (laughs) We were horrible. I mean,
1: there was a lot of stuff going on, a lot of distractions and stuff. So, like, it is what it is. Yeah, Jimmy Um, Butler. Let's go. Do you want to do bold predictions or record predictions first? Matt already made a bold prediction by saying that Javon Carter is going to be the sixth man of the year, which I will bring up every single Wednesday until the season is over. I'm going to write that down, (laughs) Matt.
0: Javon Carter. Okay, let's do uh, let's do record and then bold.
1: All right, that's what I have on the on the banners. So record prediction first. Give me yours. I already know what it is, but
0: yeah. Um, so Tyler's the OG head editor, and I just started writing articles myself. Um, hammered out a couple this week. I wrote one on the Bucks win total win uh, season projection. I had them at fifty-five and twenty-seven. Dude, every time I see Javon Carter now, I'm gonna think of Matt. <laughs> it's just, I wrote down book it too, by the way, just so you know.
1: He <laughs> put book it too. <laughs> book it. All right. So I went close. I went I gave the I gave the Bucks one more win. Um I had the Bucks at fifty-six and twenty-six. I put them at the three seed in the Eastern Conference. Um mm-hmm. For me, it's looking at road games and the West Coast. Um, those are usually tough for the Bucks when they have those. Um, and then the second half of back-to-backs. The Bucks they start out most of the beginning of the season pretty even on back-to-backs. They have one in October, one in November, one in December. They have two in January, one in February. I'm skipping March. They have one in April. They have four back-to-backs in March. Mm-hmm. March is going to be a tough a tough month for the Bucks.
0: Yeah. By the way, Jeff, if we play the Warriors, we're going to smack the hell out of them in the finals. Name one person on that team stopping Giannis. And if you if you can name somebody, and and if you say Draymond Green, I swear to God and everything. <laughs> I swear on everything. That little midget ain't stopping Giannis. I don't care. Giannis is a literal bulldozer. What's your ideal opponent round one of the Eastern Conference playoffs? So ooh. Can I
1: pick a team that's not gonna make the playoffs? <laughs>
0: Are you do you mean ideal for like the Bucks sake or for our entertainment sake? Because that's two different two different It's the
1: same for me. Who do you got? It's the Bulls. It's a good answer. Yeah.
0: Um, I would like to play the Bulls as well. That's that's a good one. Um, just so I control Chicago. <laughs> a little warm up. Uh, I can't believe we lost the damn game to them last year.
1: Yeah, what that the was hell?
0: <laughs> but
1: I Dude, mean, it was a- the fact totally the fact that the Bulls won the second game of that series, and then we're like Bulls in five. Like, bruh, <laughs> you man, can't honestly think. That after the Bucks winning all four regular season matchups, the first game of this series, that you're going to rattle off four in a row. Yeah, for real, bro. And it took
0: it took DeRozan going nuts. Yeah. For my and entertainment. Matthews put God. the
1: absolute clamps on him for the rest of that series. Nope, nope.
0: I know a guy. You can't say that. You can't say that. I know a guy and I'm kind of getting along with them right now which is kind of annoying to me. I feel like I should spice things up, Isaac. What do you think? Should I spice you things should up tonight? Spice things up. <laughs> <laughs> Man, they sure do. They sure do. All right, let's do uh let's do some bold predictions. I think I got some good ones. I got four. How many do you have? I have 3. Okay.
1: I did 4. I don't know. All right, well, you can go first then cuz you have more than. All right. Bucks will have 3 all-stars
0: and they're all going to average 20 plus points per game at the all-star break.
1: Okay. Giannis, Drew, and Middleton obviously. That's okay. fair. I feel like that's a fair prediction. Like I feel like like I feel like if I scroll back to my primer from last year, I probably said the same thing and it was probably just as fair then as it is now. I feel like all mine are fair except the last one is a little eh, I don't know. So, mine my my last one is pretty spicy. Um, like, I have I have one hypothetical. I have one reasonable one, I think. And I have one super spicy bold prediction. Okay. So, okay. <clears throat> damn it, Isaac, you suck! <laughs> because he brought up something that I wanted to bring up, and it's Ingles instead of Middleton. I believe that if the Bucs had had Joel Ingles last season when they were missing Chris Middleton, that the Bucs beat the Celtics in that series.
0: I can definitely see that. That is very fair. That is fair.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Batman. <laughs> I think he met it as far as your all-star prediction is concerned, but he's going to have to make an all-star case in, like, six games because that's about all he's going to play before the all-star break. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> but, I mean, the way that Joe Ingles plays, you know, he plays underrated. Uh, he plays underrated defense. Um, he plays – he's a solid ball handler. He's not super athletic, and he can shoot, and he's, like, he's got good size.
0: Yeah. He could defend and hit threes. That's what the main part for me is. Plus, he's a really, really good pick-and-roll guy.
1: He's a very good pick-and-roll guy. So, that
0: would have definitely changed some things because Giannis and Middleton pick-and-roll is damn near unstoppable. So I agree. You bring that back with Ingles' ability to pass and find Giannis in the paint. Um, also, and if they sag, they sag off too far, he can just take that little floater right there and he can make that. So, I definitely yep. agree with Yeah,
1: Matt, Ingles on the torn ACL, like on crutches and, and in a boot and everything, yeah. All yeah, that. It's going gonna, gonna to be fantastic. Um,
0: My next one, Giannis will average slightly less points per game, but he will ha- average seven assists per game this year.
1: Seven assists per game.
0: That's one.
1: He's never even averaged six, but he's getting higher and higher and higher every year. He was at like 5.9. He was at six for most of last season and finished at like 5.9.
0: I know. I saw. That's what made me be like, if I put it at 6.9, we could both laugh. <laughs> but I wanted to make it real. So I was like, seven assists per game
1: for Giannis would be was something that I was, I was aiming for. I can see the path to it. I personally wouldn't predict it, because I didn't. But I personally wouldn't predict it, but I can see the path to it happening. Angles <laughs> for MVP on half a season of games. <laughs> he is tough, and... Hearing players talk about him, like Matt said before, Ingles is hilarious. He really is. Um, He is. He's like a legendary trash talker in the NBA. Um, Drew Holiday was actually getting interviewed him about him on Media Day. He's like, it's like Joe Ingles is an asshole, but I'm glad that he plays for us now. (laughs) That's funny as hell. Imagine having to deal with that. One on you all game. We got a little, I got a little spoiler alert on it, but Bobby, Bobby Portis finally gets his six man of the year award. Um, seen him block a ball with a boomerang. Um, Isaac, have you seen them the video of him dunking a basketball into a kangaroo pouch? No way. <laughs> I was just thinking of stereotypical Australian I know, things. I know,
0: I know. I was trying to play it it's
1: off. This, it's Australian for beer.
0: <laughs> Those cans are massive, by the way. They're giant cans. I can't even fit my hand around it.
1: Oh god! Just gonna chalk that up to things I never thought I'd heard Jake say for a thousand. Okay, I'm sorry, but. <laughs> cans. Uh, right. So, my next one. Hold on, nice. let me finish. I only got halfway through my reasonable one. Oh okay. Um, Bobby has spent like 95 percent of last season as a starter. Um, this could be the year that he gets his credit as being the first man off the bench and gets his Sixth Man of the Year award. Now you can go. Okay. Very reasonable. Giannis makes 108 threes to move to fourth
0: all time on the Bucks all time three pointers
1: list. Totally see that. I should have brought my. I should have brought my other notebook. I have a bunch of milestones. Um, that the Bucks are really close to. Um, the Bucks are really close to. Um. Mainly Giannis and Middleton, as far as franchise lists are concerned. Um, mm-hmm. I will bring that with me next week. Um, <clears throat> my last one. This is my super spicy one. Drew Holiday wins Defensive Player of the Year. Ooh. Um, he is extremely well respected among his peers in the league, uh, among coaches. Um, he's been first team all defense. He's been second team all defense. Um. You you ask a player, you know, as especially guards, who is your least favorite player to go against, and you hear the name Drew Holiday brought up constantly. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say this is my that's my that's my super spicy one, but I do think it is still possible. Drew Holiday winning defensive player of the year.
0: Okay. Here's my super spicy one. Chris Middleton will average three three pointers a game and break Ray Allen's record for most threes in a season. The record right now is 229.
1: That's 9. All right, I'm going to do I'm going to do this. So, let's say let's say Chris Middleton misses 12 games and plays the rest of the season healthy. So, right. that's 70 games. So, I'm going to do 229 Divided by 70, he needs to make 3.27 threes per game. He's Money Middleton. I can see it. Interesting. That's interesting. I I think it's possible. I mean,
0: you know who's third on the list right now? I was looking him up. So, Allen owns the top spot. He owns the second spot. Third with 187 is Brooke fucking Lopez. <laughs> That's
1: I was like, awesome. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here?
0: The year he became Splash Mountain, I was like, he was splashing. I won't lie.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Was that the 2018-19 season? Yeah,
0: it, yeah, it was. It was that one. I was like, Brooke Lopez. I was like, what? One of these things doesn't belong here. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: <clears throat> uh, Jeff, you might be right. Um yeah. Load management might 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 have something to do with that. I don't know. But I just thought, the fact I that thought they have about four
1: back to backs in March doesn't sit super well with me. Yeah, that's <clears throat> right before the playoffs too. I was like eh, <clears throat> that's tough. Yeah. Um honestly for me it'll come down to if if any of his injuries that he had in the last like eight months, if any of them are lingering. <clears throat> if he comes back and he feels great, like everything is good, he could play, like I said, those full 70 games. Um, he's, I think he's played 82 games in a season in his career. Um, the COVID-shortened year, he played all 66. Um, yeah, Matt, I agree. Back-to-back shouldn't exist in the NBA in 2022. <laughs> if... <clears throat> They're starting to do this. They talked about it um, when the Bucs were in Abu Dhabi. They talked about how they're starting to schedule the NBA a little bit like series, where you where you stay in a game in a city for three days and you play two games there. So you stay there, say Thursday through Saturday, and you play on Thursday and Saturday, and you play two games back to back against the same team with a day off in between. I think the NBA could really tune their schedule up that way and have a bunch of two-game series. Um, it I mean, wouldn't we, we work We do it against for, Washington all the time. Right. Um, we got every year. <laughs> it wouldn't work for the West Coast teams playing against the East Coast teams just because the East and the West only play each other twice a year, once in each building. Um so that wouldn't work as well but like especially like the only reason that divisions exist in the NBA is to know which teams you play four times a year. So the Bucks could yeah. certainly play two in Chicago, they could easily play two in Detroit, they could play two in Indiana, like the two in Cleveland, like those the opportunity there to ease the schedule up a little bit and try to avoid some of those back-to-back situations. It exists by having cities that you play in more than once a year. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, they brought that up when they were in Abu Dhabi cuz obviously nobody else was coming to Abu Dhabi to play against the Bucks except for the Hawks. So, they were obviously <laughs> playing two games there. So, I do think the opportunity is there for that. I agree. I'm
0: I'm actually on board more I think about it uh with you know, taking some games off the season, you know, maybe bringing it down to 70. I'm actually okay with that. Do we need to beat the shit out of the Bulls four times? No. Is it fun? Yeah. I mean, we get to play the Pacers four times. <clears throat> Freaking horrible. That's four wins right there. Yeah. Oh, well, between four be, wins. Yeah. Between the the, the Pacers and, and the Bulls, we have eight wins already. <laughs>
1: <Throwing> <laughs> think the about pistons, that. That's twelve.
0: Yeah. I mean, so our records of fifty five and fifty six games start to look a little bit more realistic. The only team that really matters is the Cavs, and I think we'll probably split with them.
1: Yeah, that's fair. All right, <clears throat> well, we have Bucks basketball tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, the real games, not not preseason anymore. I don't know. That's Russ. <laughs> Matt doesn't want to take any games away from Indiana. Hey, I bet you can probably get cheap seats for that game, though. I bet. Probably could.
0: Oh, Matt, I got a question. now. I always watch this highlight. It was from two years ago. Giannis had some monster slams against the Pacers. I just wanted to know if you were there. I'll have to find the date of the game, and I'll, I'll message you on Facebook, but. Dude, he had one dunk where he spun and he said, "Ah!" and he was just going crazy. And I was just like, "That's the game highlights. he had 50 in." No, no, but it was a game where he had like a he had a monster dunk with his right hand, and then he had a monster dunk with his left hand, and then he had a dunk where he spun with his right hand, you know, over his, over his shoulder, and then dunked it on a guy. And after that, he screamed, took a deep breath, and screamed harder. And I always watch that highlight because it's amazing. I was watching Giannis highlights yesterday, and I was like. I'm ready. It's go time. I'm emotionally invested because he's emotionally invested. So let's fucking go.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I don't really know you could end the show without any, any better than that. So no, not going to try. All right, buddy. Take care. All right. I will see you on <laughs> Friday night. And yes, for sir. those of you that are watching that are Packers fans, we are going to have Mike Spofford from Packers.com on there. So um, we will uh, have some good stuff on Friday night. Yes, sir. See you All later. All right. See you Friday.